It's Wednesday Wonders, science fiction and fantasy on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated R and is recommended restricted for anyone under the age of 17. I was conceived in love by two people who never let their expectations or their fears stand in the way of their passion. And I was born into love. I can never recall, even from my earliest memories, of never less than being completely surrounded and engulfed by the love of a family who accepted me. Mind you, there's nothing unusual about this experience. Every goblin has it. Goblins as a people are nothing if not nurturing and accepting. If there's anything unusual about my experience, it's that the period between my conception and my birth was one of wrath. The wrath unquenchable of a goblin assassin robbed of her lover through hatred and fear. I gestated to righteous vengeance, a vengeance that was only stopped by love. The love of a mother who cared so much for the unborn child of her and her dead lover that she ceased her bloody vengeance and returned home. My family gave me nothing but love, and as any good goblin child would, I swore I would find my way to return that love in any way I could, in the best way that I could. And so I followed my mother's path, the path that many in my family would tell you that I was literally born to follow. I became a clan assassin. And before you get any ideas in your head, it's not a life of loneliness and darkness and dishonor. Anything but. Quite the opposite, really. It's full of friends and family and wonderful experiences, and I travel a lot, which is something I would get to do whether I was an assassin or not. But still, it offers me so many opportunities. And if anything, my life as a Guillaume clan assassin has taught me what's truly precious in this world. There is such untold value in the things and the people that you are in danger of losing. Like the person sitting across from me now. One false move, one chance meeting, and you may find yourself stumbling headfirst into someone you love so much that the idea of being parted from them just twists inside of you. On a whim, I took a job assisting a man from Earth, like my father, on an insane and dangerous quest that may end up saving worlds, who knows? It certainly could end up costing lives, his and mine, to be honest. There's quite a few people in my family who are both amused and bemused that one of their most privileged daughters, and, I'm told, very talented assassins, would take a job as a glorified personal assistant to a corporate knight. I think many of them thought it was a game, that it was a fad of some kind, just something to amuse me personally to pass the time between jobs. And should an explanation of my aberrant behavior ever become necessary in their presence, I would do my best to dissuade them of this opinion, because what started as a whim resulted in my meeting the greatest friend I have ever had. Oh, I know it's only been a few months, but I can tell these things, really. I am a genius. Sir Hanover Phillips, questing knight of the Metadyne Corporation, and I, his squire, Nero Guillaume. He'd die for me, and I'd kill for him. And vice versa, I'm sure. We're a tough act to follow. But family duty calls. So we sit at dinner, him across from me, waiting patiently while I gather my thoughts. Thoughts that I will spin into a tale that I hope will contain an adequate explanation for why I may have to part company with the best friend I've ever had. I have so much love for him. And love like that can never be lost. But I've learned too often that it can be set aside.
Now, I know what you're thinking. That can't possibly be true in every case, can it? No, maybe not. But you haven't actually heard my story, have you? No? Well, in that case, here it is. The Account, A Tale of the Waking World, The Snows Are Eternal, Part 4. Ready? Much as I can be, I guess. As I recall, you once asked me if I ever had to kill anyone as an assassin. Yes. Yes, I did. The answer to your question is yes and no. But before I get on to that, let me explain something. I am a Guillaume clan assassin. My stock trade profession and training are all in the art of murder. That's what I do. I kill people. But I am not a hitman. I have no clientele, no contact number. I do not do this for money. I cannot, nor will I ever allow myself to be hired to do what I do. I can only be sent on missions by my family for very specific targets under very specific circumstances. Above all things, a goblin clan values its reputation. And that reputation is built upon the actions of the individuals. Trust, honor, loyalty, ethics, all of these things contribute to the overall reputation of a given clan. Now, paramount among those virtues is mercy. All goblin clans practice mercy. If there's any way to resolve a conflict between clans, between insiders and outsiders, between family members that doesn't involve bloodshed, we will find it. If you read the family history of the Guillaumes, you will find some of the most hysterically amazing compromises made just to resolve one tiny argument between two families or between some sort of perceived slight of honor from insiders or outsiders of the clan. Believe me, this kind of social comedy is the sort of thing that goblins live for. So when someone like me, a family assassin, is called out, then the situation is unresolvable by any other means. And there it was, right there, that little twinge in the back of his eyes when I said the word assassin. It's so subtle, so hidden. You wouldn't even know it was there if you didn't know what you were looking for, but I've seen it. It's the remnants of the first shock that came across his face when he found out what I do. I should be used to it, I suppose. I do have a somewhat alarming vocation. But, you know, I really hate to be judged. Especially by someone from Earth, considering how violent Earthlings can be. You'd think his reaction would have pushed me away, but it never did. Because every time the word assassin came up, even though he flinched, it felt like he moved closer. You could see it in just little things, his body language, his tone of voice, just a touch here and there. His eyes softening from... Shock to concern. See, he never came out and said it, but when he found out that I was a killer, he worried about me. About how that might affect me. And to think I'm the one who may have to turn my back. So your target is one of these unresolvables, then? <laughs> to say the least. His name is Luxor Brandt. He's a goblin, and a career criminal, and a complete sociopath. 
If you ask him what he did for a living, he would tell you that his specialty is in exporting, which is a polite way of saying that his business is in the procurement of illegal goods by any means necessary, and then selling them to high-priced clients, usually on the earth. For a relatively non-magical place like your home world, there's very, very strong restrictions on what can and can't be sold there from the Midlands. As a result, there's a huge black market trade for magically infused artifacts, weapons, designer drugs based on alchemy. The sort of things that throw any given society not prepared for them into complete havoc. That begins to describe what he likes to do. Criminals on both sides of the border make a killing this way, and law enforcement on both sides of the border are kept very busy trying to track this stuff down and stop it. As smugglers go, he's one of the best, and he has absolutely no scruples. He will sell anything to anyone for the right price, regardless of the damage that it will do. He likes money, he likes power, and he likes to cause mayhem. Earth mythology has always described goblins as beings full of greed and lust and malevolence. And Luxor Brand pretty much defines that stereotype. Yeah, but that sounds a lot more like a law enforcement issue. I mean, in order to call out an assassination, if that's such a big deal with your clan, I mean, what did he do? Well, it's not so much a matter of what he did, but rather who he is. Or rather, who he was. There is no goblin clan named Brand. His real name is Leeson Guillaume, and he's my first cousin. I so could have fallen for Leeson Guillaume, you know. When I was younger, I had a thing for bad boys, and he was a bad, bad boy. I knew him since we were very, very small children. He hit puberty and just blossomed. Charm, wit, style. Oh, and sex appeal. In my teen years, I didn't lose my virginity to him, but he did open my eyes to quite a few things in the bedroom. We should have children, he would say. So many children. With you and me, they'd rule the world. And when he said it, you believed it. He could get you to believe anything. I was almost tempted until we started training together. Three-blade knife fighting under the same instructor. Very good one. We were paired off against each other as sparring partners, and in our first round, I won. I knocked him to the mat and held a knife to his throat. I was declared winner and scored the point. And as I got up, he lunged at me. I barely blocked his strike. If I hadn't, it would have gone right into my lung. I was so shocked I was knocked completely off guard, and I looked up and met his eyes for one second, and I saw such hatred. The raw indignity that he had lost. Our instructor stepped in and broke it up, pushed him off of me, and I met his gaze again, and he'd returned to his old former self, just with a wicked grin on his face and a wrinkle in his nose, and he said, <laughs> Just kidding. He was never kidding. If he had put that blade right through my heart and killed me on the spot, I doubt he would have batted an eye in that instant. I think that's when I lost my taste for bad boys. That little incident got him a six-day suspension from training and an incredibly stern admonishment from my Aunt Angelique, his mother. He never came back to training, though. The last time I saw him was two nights after the incident when he came to my room. He told me he was so ashamed of his behavior that he wanted to apologize on hands and knees that he wanted to make it up to me with his body. I told him no. After all, I'd beaten him fair and square, and after all, wasn't that just another way of letting him win by giving him what he wanted? And then I saw it in his eyes again, blazing with contempt. How dare you? How dare you not let me win? How dare you change my rules? How dare you? And how dare this family and how dare this world keep me from what I want? He turned and walked away without a word. And I never saw Lise and Guillaume ever again.
So your family wants this guy dead because he ruined their reputation? Not exactly. You see, Lee Guillaume is dead as far as my family concerned. His name was taken from him. That's the equivalent of being excommunicated from a clan. And while the other goblin clans know who he is and know his history, they don't count anything he does against his family. But, given his origins and history, we still feel a certain amount of responsibility for him. This isn't a matter of reputation or honor. Luxor Brandt is an evil person. His career has left a wake of death and destruction in its path. There's three reasons why a goblin clan would call for an assassination, especially against one of their own former family members. Lowest and least on that list is family reputation or honor. The Guillaume clan has built a stellar reputation over the millennium, and the worst thing that Luxor Brandt could possibly do can't ever sully that. The second reason would be revenge. Members of my family, other families, and our allies have died because of Luxor Brandt. He seems to take particular delight in causing as much havoc and damage to anything related to his former family. So vengeance, justice, it's there as a consideration. But the main one is prevention. This is very, very carefully considered. Luxor Brandt is so dangerous and so destructive that he has to be stopped before he harms anyone else. But as much of a genius as he is at causing trouble, he's an equal genius in avoiding detection. Usually the only way you know he's been somewhere for any extended period of time is because he causes some sort of amusing gesture of departure, shall we say. Something large, like, I don't know causing an avalanche. You think that was him? Certainly his style. Something big, loud, and incredibly destructive. So do you think he was targeting you specifically? No. If it was me he was after, trust me, it would be very personal. Oh yes, he'd make it very personal indeed. A nouveau cuisine restaurant with mood lighting. Trendy, chic, relatively expensive for the size of the portions that you'll get, but we'll set that aside. It is a very good place for a hit. Two tables over behind me and to the left with a clear path straight to Hanover. If you've got a ranged weapon, and this guy almost certainly does. He's a knoll. He's been sitting there since before we came in, and he's checking his mail on his phone. Plain, unassuming, a little dweeby-looking, in fact. He hasn't given away any sort of physical or psychic clue as to what his real intentions are, but that's because he's had the training of an assassin. He's suppressing them. I'm a bit younger than he is, but I'm clearly better at this because I knew his intentions from the moment I stepped into this room. I don't know if it's the benefits of higher quality training or more experience, but it doesn't really matter. He's targeting us. With the simplest of gestures, like reaching for a pen or scratching his back, without even so much of a hint of violence, he will produce a weapon and kill Hanover Phillips. I can see it in the space around him, or rather the space where that intention should be. Its absence is what alerts me. I know that doesn't make too much sense on the surface, but believe me, if you did what I do, you'd know what I was talking about. His plan is to end my best friend's life right before my eyes as a way of warning me of what's in store, of what's to come, and mostly just to hurt me as much as he possibly can. He will sit quietly with that action coiled in the back of his mind, not letting on to anyone around him, no matter what they think they know, and then he will spring it like a trap, and I'll kill him before he even so much as twitches. My fear is not for Hanover's life, but what he'll think of me after he sees me do it. Why would it be so personal against you, though? Is it just because you're a Guillaume, or is it something else? Well, that's where that yes and no comes into play. My last active contract for my clan was to kill Luxor Brandt. I was only acting as an assistant, however. The mission was accepted by my instructor, a goblin named Deacon. Deacon was one of the best clan assassins there were, and he gave both my mother and I all the training that we needed to operate in the field. He also taught Leeson Guillaume before Leeson turned, 
Now myself, Deacon, and three law enforcement agents, two from the Midlands and one from the Earth, attract Luxor Brandt's operation to a borderlands area off-road between the Midlands and North America. When we arrived at the proper location, we discovered a hastily erected temporary structure, one of those trailer bed types, the kind they use at carnivals, things like that. And inside were a dozen or so non-human children that Luxor Brandt had acquired for the benefit of certain clients from the Earth with unique tastes. Oh, my God. Yes. I told you we're dealing with a bad seed. The plan was a fairly straightforward raid. The police were there to arrest the clients and rescue the children. Deacon was going to eliminate Luxor, and my job was to deal with his men. It didn't go exactly as according to plan. We hit the building fast and hard, and the police were admirable. They pinned Luxor's men down like it was nothing and I proceeded to carve my way through them. Not without trouble. I still have the scars, if you ever want to see them. Oh, that's okay. Of the fourteen gang members he had brought with him for security, I personally killed seven. The police took care of all but three of the rest. At great cost to themselves, one of the two Midlands police officers lost their lives. That just left Luxor Brandt and his lieutenant, an ogre by the name of Keystone Stewart. They escaped out a hidden exit just as soon as the fight started, and Deacon went after them. That's when Luxor Brandt did what he does best. He played his wild card. He'd rigged the building with incendiary devices, and he set them off to buy himself some time. You see, with good guys, killing isn't always the best approach. However, setting fire to a building full of victimized children, well, that'll get their attention. We managed to get all the children out, and the clients, and the wounded members of his gang. By the time we got done, and I got around to the back of the building, I discovered that Luxor Brandt and Keystone Stewart had escaped. And I found Deacon Guillaume dying. They'd ambushed him. He had stepped into some sort of primitive snare, and they simply shot him. His last act, as I held him there, was to take out the death warrant for Luxor Brandt, press it into my hand, and say, Good hunting. We managed to get assistance out there. The children were returned home to their families where possible, as unharmed as could be expected, given the circumstances. Yeah. So what happened to the clients? Them? Well, let's see. A group of earthling men who thought they could have their way with a group of kidnapped children who shouldn't have existed at all in a place that could never be. Out there on the off-road, anything could happen. We turned them over to the proper authorities. At the end of the day, unlike them, we weren't monsters. So Luxor Brandt is your target now? Hmm. It doesn't exactly work that way with clan assassins. He was a target of all of us. It's just that I was the closest one at the time. I tracked him back to North America, where I lost his trail, somewhere around Chicago, I believe. Turns out the Earth's a much better place to hide if you're a criminal than I'd ever imagined. So I gave up and came home, back to the Midlands, where on a certain bus trip out of Bell Tower, I ran into an employee of the Metadyne Corporation. Oh, don't look sad. So Luxor Brandt is here in Skyway? Well, I haven't confirmed it officially, but I have every reason to believe that that's the case. What do you mean you haven't confirmed it? It means I'm bending the rules. Until I find absolute concrete evidence that Luxor Brandt and his gang are operating out of Eastling, I'm not officially on the case. Until then, I'm technically still working for Metadyne, but I can't shirk this. I have to look for him. I'll do whatever I can to keep helping you, Hanover, but time is limited. What if you confirm that he was here, but he's already left? If it's confirmed, I have to go after him. No choice. 
What if he is here and you stop him here? Then I'm free to do what I want. And I know what you're thinking, and the answer is no. Hanover, you cannot help me at all with this. Well, why the hell not? Because there are strict rules in the Charter about corporate activity, and assassination is verboten. I can't even work for this company if I have an active assassination contract. Yeah, well... And if you quit your job, you lose your knight's abilities. Wouldn't be much good to me then, would you? No, I guess not. Look, this isn't the end of the world, all right? I may be going off on a job, and if I complete it, I still have a job waiting for me here. Rayburn said I could have my old position back, depending on how long it takes. He really said that, huh? Well, he implied it. Besides, by that time, you'll probably have a new partner and forgotten all about me. Right. We'll still be friends, won't we? I wasn't aware there was a choice in the matter. There wasn't for me, that's for sure. The guy at the table behind me just stood up. He's paid his bill. He looks a bit steamed. They called him off. You're refusing to tip your hand, aren't you, Luxor? Not exactly sure why, but you've given me a little bit of a reprieve. I didn't really want my farewell to be a bloodbath. I know he's here, and he knows that I'm here, and I know that he knows, and he knows that I know, and I know, and he knows, and I know, and he knows, and round and round, and now the game begins. Now the traps are set and the spies are released and your pawns become targets and your loved ones are marked. I haven't confirmed you officially, Luxor. So I'm giving you a little bit of leeway, which is a dangerous game to play with you. Giving you time to plan and think, but I assure you I'll be doing the same thing. And I will be worse, a hundred times worse than anyone you ever faced before. Because it's not just reputation and honor and lives, for that matter, that's at stake. It's my future. My future with my friend. In a way, I'm almost grateful. Because this will end here, and by separating the two of us, Hanover Phillips need never have to see what I'm truly capable of. He's got enough to worry about. His earth heritage, the angels, the life of a knight, and how that usually ends. But you, Luxor, you have it easy. You have only one thing to worry about now. So when are you starting your investigation, then? First thing in the morning, about the same time that you'll be in training. By the way, please feel free to convey to Turvey that I think he's a devious bastard. Oh, he already knows that. (laughs) Let's not worry and say goodbye just yet. Let's just do our best and push forward. How about that? (sighs) Okay. Deal. Good. Oh, by the way. Hmm? Here's your key card. Oh, right. Thank you. I'm 804, you're 805, so I'm right across the hall if you need anything. Good. I'll raid your minibar when you're not looking. Thanks. I'll remember to booby trap it. Are you prepared for your training tomorrow? Well, considering I haven't the faintest idea what to expect, I guess I'm as prepared as I'm going to be. I'm sure you'll do brilliantly. Is there anything I can do to help? You want to come back to my place? I thought you'd never ask. It's not goodbye just yet. One more night. One more turn. I'll savor that because it may be all I get. The assassin's motto is good hunting. And to me, that's what all of life is. You're staring off into space again. Are you doing some kind of inner monologue? Never you mind. He's called off. Good, I'm assuming your man was in disguise. Tell him to burn that one. We're gonna need him clear later. Do you want to tell me why we called this off, considering we went to all this trouble to set it up? We had a clear shot at the boyfriend. Keys, I did your guy a favor. If he had gone after Nero Guillaume, he would have been dead before he even got up out of his chair. He never would have got off a single shot at her boyfriend. If you knew that, why did you send him in in the first place? Because I was throwing a gauntlet down, duh. I wanted her to know I was there, that I had my eye on her. Get her all freaked out about her boyfriend's safety, you know? Get the party started, really. But, you know, what happened next was, 
a dangerous thing. I got to thinking. <sighs> ah, there it is, there it is, the frowny he's been thinking face. <laughs> well, it's like this. Why is she here? Well, why wouldn't she be here if she's tailing you? No, 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 think about it. She's an assassin. If she was coming looking for me, she wouldn't come in through the front door. She certainly wouldn't come in as a registered employee for Metadyne. Get it? She wasn't looking for me. She didn't even know I was here. So what? She's looking for you now. But she wasn't. So why did she come here? Look, Laughlin's security information said that the last place they were in was Baylor. Something to do with the angels, supposedly. And while the details are a little on the sketchy side, as near as I can tell, they were in the middle of it. So, Keys, I want you to tell our traveling party to unpack their bags and settle in. Because those two came here looking for something. Something to do with angels, no doubt. And I want to know what it is. And if it can be taken and sold, that's what I'm going to do. And if I have anything to say about it, that little activity is going to be the last thing Nero Guillaume and her boyfriend ever see. So let's get started, shall we? You have been listening to The Account, A Tale of the Waking World, written and performed by Kyan Chris Conroy as part of the Technical Difficulties Podcast. To contact me, send a Gmail at techdiff at gmail.com, leave a comment on this show at techdiff.com, follow the discussion at techdiff.freeforums.org, and follow on Twitter at twitter.com slash techdiff. The Snows Are Eternal continues next time. Yes, I know it's been a while. Sorry about that. Uh, for those of you following what was going on in my life, I finished the CD. I brought it to Convergence, which is the big Minneapolis convention that we have here every uh, every year, where I got to meet all kinds of cool and interesting uh, interesting people and, and some professional creators and even some fans of mine, interestingly enough, but I'll get to that. Anyway, I brought 200 CDs that I made up specially for the occasion, and I handed out, and all but four of them disappeared. So there's copies of my stuff out there. And the really cool thing was, is I got onto these uh, panels discussing things like, um, you know, audio drama, stuff like that. And on the last panel, which was a panel at 9.30 in the morning on a Sunday morning, which is probably the worst slot in the to be on a panel. You can almost guarantee no one's going to show up for that because everybody's too hungover from the night before to, to show up for that, or they haven't arrived for the convention at all if Sunday is their day. It turns out we actually had a pretty nice turnout for the panel, so no complaints there. But um, at the end of that particular panel, the uh, somebody walked up to me and told me that they had found my CD on the table, that they had to go out of town and come back over the course of an afternoon, and they lift, listened to it, and they liked it very much. And... Uh, and they just wanted to tell me how much they enjoyed my um, my show and whoever wishes. And uh, that felt so cool. <laughs>
Now, the unfortunate thing is I didn't really talk to too many of the professionals in depth. I just sort of met them briefly and exchanged pleasantries because, frankly, I'm too much of a chicken shit to do that sort of thing. I got to meet Paul Cornell, who is a longtime writer for Doctor Who novels and has written two really great episodes of the new Doctor Who series, one with Christopher Eccleston and another one with David Tennant. And he's currently writing action comics, which I have to start picking up because I saw the preview of it and it's absolutely amazing uh, stuff. He's writing essentially Superman, although he's focusing more on Lex Luthor than he is on Superman. And, uh, uh, Paul did a fe- special panel where he attempted to explain cricket to Americans. And my whole thing was I'd always seen people playing cricket and I had no idea what the game was about and I just wanted someone to give me a brief explanation. One hour later, he covered the basics and while I can now follow the game, it is the most complicated thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. A lot of people are convinced that baseball was born from cricket. I have no idea how that would have been even possible. These two games are so bizarrely different, and cricket is insanely complicated. If you don't know what it is by now, don't mess with it, I say. Although, if you can figure it out, hey, you know, watch it. It's a strangely fascinating and amazingly exciting game. So that brings me to my orders of business. So you'll be happy to know there's going to be a couple of new websites popping up here and a new feed. Let me explain. I decided to sign up with WordPress to create a blog because I'm not happy with Libsyn's blogging tools. Although I am very, ha- very, uh, very, very happy with Libsyn's new uh, up- upgrading, you know, uploading tools. Um, so I'm creating a WordPress blog for TechDiff, and I'm creating a WordPress blog for um, the account. And the account is going to get its own feed. So in the future, if you want to, if you've subscribed to the regular TechDiff.com uh, 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 feed, that's the uh, uh, Libsyn.com slash Cayenne. Something like that. or I forget what it was. Anyway, the current feed you're subscribing to now, if you go to that, you'll still get the account, but you can also direct people, or if you just want to follow the account and not the comedy, you can go over to this new feed, which I'll be setting up post-haste. That's all in the planning stages at the moment. It will be interrupted continually by the fact that my wife just had shoulder surgery on Thursday of this week that you're hearing the podcast, and as a result, she's kind of laid up and not doing too well, and and when she takes uh, painkillers, they make her sick to her stomach. So I'll be attending to her at the same time. It'll be all kinds of fun. I'll be all kinds of busy. And lastly, what people asked me about was, what about that there CD, now that you've created it? Well, I'm glad you asked. I have the CD, it's been created, uh, and I can make as many copies of it as I want now, thanks to the wonderful uh, invention of a program called Toast. So what I was thinking of doing, as I said before, is I'm going to figure out what the price of the CD is going to be. I'm assuming it's somewhere around $5, and then I'll have to add on shipping and handling if people want to buy a physical copy of it. I know that's a little bit silly for me after handing out 200 of them to sell them to my fans and after you have the entire episode to listen to. But I thought I'd do this anyway for two reasons. One, I'd like to recoup some of the money uh, that I uh, spent while making the CD. Also, I thought it would be nice for people to get a physical copy from me if they want that sort of thing. I'm not demanding that you do it, for God's sake. And if you hear the episode called the Whoever Wishes show from a week or two ago... Uh, that is a that that's the complete text. In fact, it's actually I mean you get because you get an introduction and an ending, you actually get more than the people who get the CD. So, if you, all you want to do is hear it, then just go to the podcast. There's nothing new added. But lastly, I'd also like to see if this is a viable method of anything. If people do actually want to buy the thing and how it's going to be to send it out, whether I want to do it myself or find somebody else to manufacture them for me, or how that's going to work. I've never tried this before. So as soon as I get that figured out, because I have to figure out the shipping and handling. You know how much does it cost to package one of the things these things up and mail it off and, and how much will 
Would that be internationally? You know, I don't know any of this stuff, so I have to figure it out. So it'll be about five bucks. And all of the money, you'll be happy to know, will be going straight towards replacing my iPod, which died. Uh, In a week in which all of the tech in our house started to fall apart, we lost a dishwasher, I lost a hard drive, my wife's hard drive spun down so badly we had to send her computer in to be fixed for a week, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Right in the midst of all of that... My reliable iPod Nano just kicked the bucket for no particular reason. No reason, just sitting there using it one day. I set it down, came back an hour later, picked it up, and the click wheel was dead. Go figure. So we'll see through sales of the CD just how much money we can put towards getting me a new one, if possible. Anyway, that's all the news I have for you this week. Uh, Listen closely to the feed for anything new that pops up. And follow me on Twitter. I try to keep up with that as much as possible. I've just been so tired. Before that, I was lazy. Now I'm actually tired. And um, I'll keep you abreast of stuff. I've talked your ear off for far too long. How much? Oh, my God. It's almost 32 minutes for this podcast. Ah. All right. I'll uh, see you next week. All right. Take care of you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Wednesday Wonders right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Tuesday Terrors for horror audio drama, Thursday Thrillers for action, adventure, mystery, and crime drama, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike, and Sunday Showcase, bringing you the very newest in audio releases for the week from our United Artists of Audio, right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network, listening and imagining together.